Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, J. Kyle Mann. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama, or the G League Scoot Henderson, or stars from Overtime Elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase, every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig inspires people of all ages to jump through life and its muddy puddles with enthusiasm. The relatable stories, oinks and giggles have made her preschooler's first best friend, helping them navigate everyday life with unabashed exuberance. And now you can discover new playtime adventures with your little ones. Jump into spring and hunt for muddy puddles in Peppa's caravan playset. Hit the road for endless adventures and have heaps of fun with Peppa's whole family. Oinks and giggles are guaranteed. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence since 2004. Peppa Pig is a trademark of Hasbro, created by Mark Baker and Neville Astley. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about 1997. We are drafting again. It's the movie draft 1997 edition. Chris... Ryan is here in the studio. You made it, CR. Thanks for having me. This was threatened, by but you made it. By secretaries of state across America? No. <laughs> save that for just my opinion. Episode 384. What I'm referring Episode to is... 1776, <laughs> man. Oh, my God. No, I'm referring to uh, your busy schedule. You're a busy guy. Yeah, I'm busy. But you're busy. Amanda's busy. There are children among us. Not here, like, really. But you guys have had children. Interesting point. Should the next draft feature Alice and Knox is a, is a good question. What do I get to have, then? Uh, well, you could... Well, you've got John Fetterman. Do you want me to draft against <laughs> Alex and Knox? No. <laughs> but also, you have, like, burgeoning relationships with them, so you could almost turn our children against us. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Kids do. They, both of your kids, their eyes get wide when I walk in the room. That's true. Do you guys remember the political atmosphere of 1997? No. Uh, who was president back then? Was that still Clinton? It was Bill Clinton. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. It was quite toxic. As but I it was recall. like, oh, it was Whitewater, right? Yeah, sure. That was a better time. You could just tune in and tune out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
Timothy Leary style. Yeah. Uh, and you can't, you personally can't do that right no, now. I'm too deep. What about you? Have you been ensconced in our political? No, I have to be honest. I sort of, I turned it off. I mean, I catch stray jokes from the two of you and, you know, my own personal uh, JMO at home in the form of my husband, (laughs) a correspondent for you guys. No, I I know what's up, but at some point I'm not tuning in to MSNBC in any of its forms, you know? I respect it completely. I think the listeners of this show are also not doing so. They're here for a draft. So um, let's just go right to 1997. Would you say this is a crown jewel draft that you've been waiting to do for a long time? No, I hadn't identified it a long time ago. But then when I started looking at the films that are on this list, I was like, why did it take so long to get to this one? Formative year. Pretty critical year, Mm -hmm. I think, for all of us. um, And certainly for a lot of our favorite directors. So it's exciting. It's a good one. Amanda, what were you up to? What were you doing in 1997? I turned 13 years old. Okay. And this is the year that I learned about the Oscars. Not that I learned about them, but that I became really invested in them. And that has a lot to do with the fact that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were a part of the Oscars campaign tour. I'm not joking. I know. I taped that Oprah special on VHS. I know I've told this story before, but I remember being really, really charmed by them and also curious about, but also invested in that Oscar race. Now, obviously, this is also the year of Titanic, Mm -hmm. which is a really big deal at the Oscars, at the box office, but also if you were a 13-year-old girl. And so the thing to do if you were 13 and you had seen Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet was to be obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio and to buy a lot of those books, you know, about that were like 40-page teen beat biographies that they sold, I guess, at Barnes & Noble. I wrote a few of those. My my friend Katie still has a tremendous collection of those that, you know, we should maybe, I should interview her about. So if you were 13 and you were a Leo fan, then you had to go see Titanic like a thousand times in theaters. Like my peers were the people contributing to its box office, you know, history. And this was the year that Amanda decided she zagged, and I was a Goodwill Hunting person in a Titanic world, and I was a Matt Damon person in a Leonardo DiCaprio world. Was it zero sum? Did your Goodwill Hunting fandom diminish your appreciation for Titanic, or were you like, "That's okay, but I love this"? It did diminish it. Uh-huh. I became self-aware enough, or the Amanda Project started to the extent that I was like, nah. Was this the first pop culture? Yes. I was like, that's for the normies, and I'm over here with Goodwill Hunting and Matt Damon, and this is a better movie, and this is more interesting, and this is like, I am distinguishing myself as a, as a this type of fan, as opposed to that type of fan. Because keep in mind, I was also 13, you know? So there was like a, a crucial a moment. Le- yeah, a level of allegiance. And so I didn't actually see Titanic for a while. And then I had a friend who was like, listen, you just got to come with me to the movies to see Titanic. It was like her and fourth time seeing it. did you explain the Amanda it. Project to this person? No, but I went and I was like, okay, it's pretty good. She it's cried. pretty good. You and cried. I resisted it. I think so. I mean, I, I cry at movies. I'm willing to be emotionally manipulated at movies. I don't get mad about it. Yeah. Um, and no, my heart is open. Not Chris, though. Not Chris. He doesn't allow that well, to happen. I let to it happen. You, so, when's the last time you cried in a theater? Oh, I don't know about in a theater because it's been a while since I've seen anything that I felt like emotionally devastating, I guess, in that way. I, I was at Lady Bird. Yeah. It's like five years ago, but sure. Sure. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you cry at Tar? I haven't seen Tar. 
Damn, sad for you. Yeah. Um, I'm, too, I'm, I'm in the triangle of sadness hive. Oh, that's right. You yeah. did see that and oh, you enjoyed it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. He's with me. Yeah. Who were you in 1997? I'll throw some keywords out there for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Miller High Life, the model bar in Alston. You make it sound uh, like you're a 38 year old truck driver. The self titled blur record. <laughs> um, Is that the one with Trailer Park, the breakup record? No, that, that's 13. This was with oh. Song 2. And, oh. and this was the indie rock record. That's normie. I'm not into that. The uh, breakup album. That's yeah, the one. Yeah, a lot of music. A lot of, lot, lot of like the Norton anthology of the American short story being passed around. <laughs> you know? Um, film was important, but not like the central part of my life. That's usually what's happening in these late 90s drafts. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of went back and over the years. Plus, movies were in theaters for way longer. So Yes, they were. Like yeah. Titanic came out. And then I went to Ireland for a semester abroad the next year in 98. And that's Titanic was just the only movie you could see in Ireland for like six months. Yeah. I opened Apple TV Plus last night and promoted to me was Ticket to Paradise. Mm. And I was like, that movie just came out of movie years. <laughs> like, if Ticket to Paradise was released in 1997, it would have played for three months, yeah. if not longer. Yeah. And certainly Titanic played for almost a year. Yeah. So different time in movies. Uh, in 1997, I was 14 going on 15. And here's who I was. Every Monday night, six friends would come over to my mom's house and we would watch Monday Night Raw. And it was the absolute best time of my life. I was having so much fun. I was thinking about this. So many great movies in this year. I think this is gonna be a fun draft. There's like five or six movies that are really, really strong. But uh, the best thing that I saw over and over again was the uh, chairman of WWF at the time, Vince McMahon, would you know, come out into the center of the ring. He's developing his Mr. McMahon character, who's this evil owner. And he would start giving some blowhardy speech. And then the shattered glass of Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme song would hit. Yeah. And Vince McMahon, every time this happened, he would have this like shocked look on his face. Like, I can't believe Stone Cold is here, <laughs> even though he's the star of our show every week and the biggest star in the And company. I write this fucking script. And he writes thing. the yeah. whole script. And he, his performance, uh, obviously Stone Cold, wonderful. If you're a 14 year old boy who's like fuck everything, he was he was an icon. But uh, just re- just remembering that simple time when I could enjoy my have you my ever soap delivered opera. a Stone Cold stunner on someone? Oh, certainly, my brother, many times, my cousins. Yeah. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a Stone of, Cold? Of stunner? course, yeah. This is kind of like an outtake from cruising, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Stone Cold Stunner has a slightly different connotation in cruising than it does in this podcast. <laughs> But uh, I wonder what handkerchief you have to wear to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessed with movies in 97, but I was obsessed with a lot of other things. Um, did you guys think it was a great year? I mean, I, I, Titanic did eat the year in a lot of ways, although there was a binary at the Oscars. There was yeah. a kind of like LA Confidential, Titanic. Like if you were really into movies, you were either on one side of that ledger or the other. Were you really into movies or did it, was it just more of like a blockbuster moment as a teenage, uh, teenage girl in Atlanta? I think this is when I learned you could be really into movies. Mm-hmm. And that there were movies outside of the blockbuster Titanic. And so, you know, Goodwill Hunting and two really handsome 25-year-olds were, like, certainly an entree into all of that. But I definitely, like, I saw LA Confidential as a mm-hmm. 13-year-old. I saw the Full Monty. I, like, and I invested more in the Oscars. And then, at like, the Oscars, I branched out. I think this is an interesting Oscars year and then a pretty great... Or, a, like, an interesting year for filmmakers that we all love, whether we loved them in 1997 or came to it a bit later. And I I had that chronological experience, non-chronological experience of, like, knowing a lot more about the Blockbusters and Oscars right. in 1997 than, you know, our pal Quentin Tarantino. Right. Amanda and I were 
probably pouring over Entertainment Weekly at this yeah, time. Sure. You were cracking high lifes, the champagne of beer. No, I mean, I'm not trying to act like I was, um, you know, Tom Waits or anything like that. But I will say that the one thing about this year that's kind of interesting is sometimes we do these nostalgia years mm-hmm. and we're like, God, we didn't know how we could be had it. The B movies would be A plus movies today. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple, like a lot of movies from this period are actually not, not great. You know what I mean? Like they're a zag. Well, it's just that like the sort of not even B level, but the C level movies that sometimes we're just like, how come we just don't make a movie like this anymore? Yeah. I think I'm okay with some of these movies not being made anymore. I think we did them as best as we could or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and I also remember a strange sensation, and maybe it was just like who I was at the time of being disappointed by a lot of movies that I was really looking forward to. So that was a pretty huh. like, it, that was like, I think the first sort of air of like, I think I'm going to think for myself and say Oliver Stone didn't do it this time. You know? Interesting. Even though I was very enthralled by a lot of these big directors who had movies this year. Hmm. What do you guys think about, I mean, the box office is interesting because it's, it's very obvious that Titanic is the, is the kingfish. But it's, it's kind of a blend of what we think of as like 1980s box office and 2000s box office, right? It's like a combination of franchises. There's a second Jurassic Park movie in the mix here. There was a, a re-release of A New Hope. Do you guys remember this? I, do. I think I went. Yeah. I think this is the first time that I saw Star Wars. Right. Oh, that well, that's so interesting because yeah. obviously there were additions to this version of Star Wars. There was digital effects Deep animation. Right. Yeah. It was and added to the story. Obviously, that's why I was there to yes. be able to compare and contrast yes. and yes. then do my own PowerPoint you've, you've presentation. Various yeah, prints. it was pre-vlog, <laughs> you know, but all of, the, all of the kids are just iterating on yeah. what I started. This was a huge deal. Do you think something like this could ever happen again? Where an old movie was updated and put into theaters and became one of the top 10 box office winners of, the, of that time? I'm surprised that they haven't thought of it yet, but if it does happen, I think it'll probably be for like a streaming service. I think Disney Plus will be like... John Favreau has like added new elements to the three Mar- well, Iron Man I mean, movies. That's mm-hmm. essentially what they're doing with the live action remakes of the Disney movies. I mean, it's that's different, right. obviously, and they're spending a lot more money. Yeah. It's surprising that they're not just like being really budget conscious and, you know, throwing. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's a much cheaper way. Yeah. If, although back then, I think there was a lot made about how this was such revolutionary technology that Lucas was implementing into this older film. But Whatever. just putting new stuff in an old movie. <laughs> it's just, I mean, just rude. <laughs> he just, he changed movies forever. All right. There's no reason All to be right. rude about it. Uh, you big liar, 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 liar guy, Chris? Now, you know I'm not a big Jim Carrey guy. No. This is one of our, like, the Sandler and Carrey is where I'm just like, it's okay. What's that about? I don't know. You hate fun? You know I don't. <laughs> <laughs> did did uh, the man-children of comedy in the 90s penetrate your life? Yes, but like not directly. It's just more that Happy Gilmore and Dumb and Dumber are just sort of part of the, you know, the firmament mm-hmm. of my... I, it's not... I didn't race out to see Liar Liar either, but I've seen Dumb and Dumber a lot of times, you know? So it's... That was also a nice thing where it's like sometimes their movies were better than others and Mm -hmm. you could kind of invest. And if it was like a down one, you just like moved on with your life. It wasn't catastrophic. Liar Liars, sort of the beginning of the end for me with with Jim, with that Jim. It's not the beginning of the end with Big Jim. Yeah. Lots more to come with Big Jim, (laughs) fortunately. Um, You're going to join us for the big one of the Big Jim episodes on this on the show. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the Jim Hall of Fame. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm only contributing his doc work, though. <laughs> and his, uh, Meaning you're the secret filmmaker behind his, his doc work? Innovations in fire prevention. <laughs> <laughs> He's a remarkable figure. Uh, any other observations about the movies of 97 before we begin drafting? You want to talk about Biggie's Ready to Die, for example? Or, or Life After Death, I suppose, was the record. Yeah, and Wu-Tang Forever. And yeah, yeah it just it was, it was a great, great rapid music time. I don't know why I'm stalling here to say that do you, do you look at this big box office list mm-hmm. of films that were successful this year and divine any lessons or any, any you know, this is a turning point, this is an inflection point? Big time cynical moment in Hollywood where big stars are like, I, I'm, it's not my year for my passion project. Right. It's just Will like, Smith and Let's Men make in Air Black, Force One. You know, Air, <laughs> I mean, Air Force One, Con Air. These are like very you're, accomplished you're being, actors. You're being rude. About. I can't wait for you to join Will Smith on his apology tour for the next six months. It's, I feel bad for you, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you being prepared to defend Will Smith at all costs on this I'm pod. I'm not. Don't <laughs> say that. I'm not. I have already and shared a lot off. of feelings. <laughs> and I have a lot more. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that you appreciate what we had. And so you're wrong, but I'm I'm over it. I I'm also mostly over it. I'm ready to move on okay. while also having some notes for him. But about what about his the fact that writers. I'm going to make you talk about Will Smith for one hour in a few weeks? I I'm ready. Okay. You know where where did you fall on the slap? <laughs> that was Where'd directly to Chris. You know, what? I did a pod or? about it, and I can't remember a single thought I did had. You? Yeah, which I think goes to speaks to like the moment that we've been living in for the last couple of years what where you can like thing? one night you're like I am very very upset but now I just can't remember <laughs> I don't remember what it, whether I was like this is a spectacle and the producers should be ashamed of themselves or mm-hmm. Will is under, misunderstood I think the producers should be ashamed of themselves but that's because it was a terrible Oscars separate from this lap it How? was one of the worst Oscars I've ever seen for sure for sure Awful. how much do you think that this year's Oscars will be in the shadow of this lap it depends on how they produce the show. If Chris Rock is a part of the show, it will be in the shadow. Like if Chris Rock comes out and s- slaps Jimmy Kimmel in like the opening monologue and Will Smith is in this the crowd for... He's not uh, allowed to be. He's banned. Oh. Can yeah. he zoom in? Can he, he be... No. He, will, he, he can, can be, be nominated. What do you think he will? Probably not. But Wait, can he be nominated? He can be nominated. He can be nominated, but he's banned from the Academy. But he's banned from... So he can't attend the show. He resigned from the Academy and he's banned from the show for 10 years. Right. Right. Um, Damn. So, oh, you think that's strict? I think it's fine. I was just, I don't think I had heard 10 years before. What I is think. 10 years? Like, this isn't Major League Baseball. Like, what, in 10 years, he, he, it's he okay can now? Come back? What the hell is that? What would like, Chris right. have to do? What would Chris have to do to get banned from the big picture for 10 years? I'd slap me in the face during a live pod. You know that you would you would welcome me back the next week because the numbers would be out of control. <laughs> really true. <laughs> you need to turn the cameras on for that episode. Yeah. That we should stage something like that. Honestly, that would be that would be good. <laughs> you would be like fake done away in network. But the thing is, <laughs> like, is slap me again. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I I know exactly what I would do. I would stone cold stun you yeah. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would play out perfectly. Uh, uh, you guys want to draft? Sure. You want to go back to Will Smith? We will. 
You white knighting Will Smith, my favorite theme I'm of the fall. I'm not white knighting him. I'm just like, everyone needs to calm down, okay? You okay. can't hit You're people. You're the least calm person you in the world. You can't hit people on live TV. <laughs> if I have to watch another hostage video and him being like, my central trauma is letting people down, <laughs> I am going to slap somebody, which is not an okay thing to do. Okay. I mean, but I at share some that. point, my central trauma is letting people I down. I just too. fuck off. <laughs> that made me so angry. That made me angrier than anything that actually happened. Well, I thought his speech was also very disappointing. We got to move on. You know, he's weird and we got to move on. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Bobby, what's our draft order? Top, got gun, the top hat. gun hat here. Yeah. Top gun hat, which I think is a character in the show now because I have a friend who listens and, and went out for Halloween with me as I was dressed as Goose from Top Gun. And he goes, where's the hat? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, Goose doesn't wear a Top Gun hat. That's good. Is yeah. this the first straight draft we've done in a while? Uh, it, it is. It is. I'm just trying to think about whether or not Goose would wear a Top Gun hat. Because Top oh, because, Gun was the program. Yeah. Right, but that's Well, he would have to be an instructor. Name. And he was taken before before his time. But it's also its unofficial name, right? Like, yeah, but I think that they have one. T- yeah, you're going to like... Gun, it's like the Naval Academy of, of Advanced Fighter Pilot, yeah. whatever. Remember when Ed Harris said that in the movie? In yeah. Maverick? That was fun. That was so, so, so great. That was the that best. That was so dope. Amanda, wow. did you, Sean's picking did you want me to send you the links to the two fighter pilots breaking down every yes, moment of Top Gun Maverick? I really do. You've been raving about this content for weeks. It's just... It's elite. I have the first pick. You have the first pick. Good. I didn't okay. want the first pick. I actually didn't want yeah, it. Sean, I'm really Sean has the first pick. Okay. And choosing second will be our Chris Ryan. Oh, okay. interesting. All right. This is good. This is good. Huh. Amanda's got third pick, which means she has fourth pick. It's a good good draft to have third. Yeah. I think third was probably the most desired here. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's... The, yeah. Just puts me You're going to do it? Slightly gamey position of picking Take something. Titanic away from you? No. <laughs> No. Uh, what, what, I, do so what? There was some colluding. Take Starship Troopers first overall. There was some colluding in this draft between that is no longer going to be able to happen. But Why I you talk, say, call it what it was. Dinner conversation. It was dinner we conversation. were just chatting. But I see this is the problem. You well, had to be an asshole, is, sit on the old other yeah. side of the table, and make fun of me for having. I a arrived first. Yeah. <laughs> I had. I wasn't the. I was waiting for you to arrive and sit beside me. We all went to dinner last night. We had a nice little dinner and. Uh, you guys didn't talk to me. So I had a couple of drinks and I made a promise to Chris about what I would do if I got the number one pick, but I didn't get it. Um, and you know what? I will- This is the problem with our democracy. But can I say something? We've got Democratic hey, operatives bailing just, on their allies at the last Jill, minute, just like you bailed on I me. I was about to say something nice to you. And now I don't know whether I'm going to. Okay? And now I want okay. the first pick I'm back sorry, so I'm I can sorry. screw you over. Well, you can't have it. I was going to say that I woke up this morning and I was like, I don't know if my heart's in it. Yeah. And and I and and also honestly, as Chris observed, Sean's been being really nice to me the last week because he's been trying, you know, to forge points of connection. Yeah. And- Let's go back one second. He was yeah. shaped. Last time the three of us did a podcast together, we talked about the Banshees of Inishar, and we you raised again the specter of my social failings at the end of films <laughs> where I don't communicate honestly and decently with my close friends. And uh, ever since then, I've been trying to make restitution. How does it feel while you make, like when you're like waiting for Amanda? I feel like Johnny Carson coming out for his 10,000th monologue. Oh, I thought, like I was wondering if you felt like Ashley Ashley Judd and Bug where you're just like, I have to leave so badly. <laughs> no, it doesn't I, make me uncomfortable. It's just, as I said to Amanda the first time we discussed it, I'm like, we're good. Like we're good for life. Like I don't need to tell you like, it's so nice it's to those, see you, Amanda. It's those missing moments that make life, you know? It's the, it's the, <laughs> it's the second <laughs> after the movie about? where you guys are just like, that was cool. Look at us. Look what we get to do for a living. Honestly, what it is now is it's funny Mm -hmm. because you're like doing a bit for me. Mm -hmm. And I do actually like getting to talk to you, but I also (laughs) appreciate 
you know, that you've heard this and you're sort of like doing a joke because you're really just like, hey, it's so nice to see you. That was such an enriching experience, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you're using funny words. So I really do like it. Okay. Um, I'll keep it up. I'm what I'm trying to do. And I'm so glad we've been able to vamp for this long for my first pick. Uh, I'm trying to model behavior for my young child. Okay. Uh-huh. We're, Please, thank you. So once Don't again, put that there. We'll put it over it's here. It's not for us, yeah. but that's no, it's, okay. It's part of a life project. It's something that I'm working on as a human. That's beautiful. And you've brought some things to my attention that okay. I need to work on. Okay, and I'm grateful for that. And hopefully that will create generations of politesse. That's what we're looking for. That's right. Community, care, But your daughter isn't at Banshees of Inishirin. Isn't you? she? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we don't know. You know, her spirit guides me sure. through the world now. That's true. Yeah. She does look like she could be a character in Banshees of Initiative. <laughs> she definitely does. She, the mean baby. Yeah. yeah. She definitely could have been in that. Oh, Colm, where are you going? <laughs> uh, okay. Just do it. First overall, I'm taking the film Boogie Nights Good. in Oscar nominee. Good. Um, this is a film that Chris and I and Bill Simmons just devoted, I think, 13 and a half hours of our lives to on a podcast. Um, fun show. Yeah. Was that a good pod? Yeah. Yeah. I think, Too long? I think people liked it. I listened to two and a half hours of it so far, I would say. I've had a number of people who have been very nice who are like, Boogie Nights Pod loved it. Haven't heard the categories yet. Yeah. yeah. They're like uh, saving it and or have lives and don't have time to finish that. But, I, you know, this is obviously Paul Thomas Anderson's second film. Life-changing movie for me in many ways. I talked about it at length on that show, as did you, Chris. But um, still incredibly powerful and vivacious piece of filmmaking. Now, you drafted it number one. Yeah. Would you say that it's the best movie of the year from this year? It's one at one and one A with Jackie Brown for me, mm-hmm. um, which I assume will not be there for me by the time it get, the pick gets back to me. Um, Jackie Brown, I think like 10 years ago, became kind of like the hipster consensus pick for Quentin's best movie or his second best movie. Yeah. And now I feel like there is a strong feeling that it is truly like has a kind of masterwork feel. And I'll, I, I mentioned this to Amanda privately yesterday, um, but obviously Quentin just put out Cinema Speculation, his kind of film theory criticism autobiography last last week. And, you know, I think I highly recommend the book. I think it's a lot of fun. I think especially if you have not obsessively read Quentin's thoughts and writing about yeah. movies, it will be revelatory for you. But where it's most revelatory is in the first and final chapters of the book, there is quite a bit about his coming of age as a moviegoer. And if you read the final chapter, I think of Jackie Brown in particular will come into complete sense. Like, it will be totally clear why he felt he needed to make that movie and what Pam Greer means to him, what Robert Forster means to him, what that kind of storytelling means to him. So, um, I don't I don't want to trample on the Jackie Brown conversation, but those two we, movies... Let's, let's have it right now because I'll take it second. Okay. okay. Yeah, um, and I'll take it an Oscar nominee. I love it. Robert Forster getting nominated there. Great. Uh, as... We've probably talked about Quentin Tarantino's movies more than any other director, maybe except for PTA, right? Like, cumulatively? I think so. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I think Quentin probably more than anybody. And so, like, this movie is kind of an outlier now. When you look back on the totality of his filmography, it's just like there are moments in this film that don't really exist in, like, moments of... Yeah, there's moments of quiet affection in, in, in other Quentin Tarantino movies, but not like this. And I always, always think about how he read something in Elmore Leonard that I had not read up until I saw this movie because this is an adaptation of Elmore Leonard's novel. But Rum you know, Punch it, is the novel. Yeah, Rum yeah. Punch. But it, I think it was, it's a pretty, I think, pretty liberal adaptation. It is. But a lot of like 
the soul of the way Leonard writes and the characters is in there. And this, I think, maybe has like my favorite four or five like ensemble performances in a Quentin Tarantino movie, which is really saying something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. It's it's pretty starry, you know. And some of those stars are older stars, but it it is in the tradition of all of his movies. It's just because Pam Greer hadn't had a huge part mm-hmm. in fifteen years, and Robert Forster hadn't had a huge part. 25 years but beyond that it's Sam Jackson Robert De Niro it's Bridget like also Fonda, like a throwback you know. classic Hall of Fame De Niro performance yeah, very funny it's a movie star Sam Jackson performance it's my favorite Bridget Fonda yeah, performance Chris Tucker yeah yeah. there's a ton of people in it it's a beautiful movie when's the last time you saw that one I'm honestly not a long time it's it's not one I revisit I should yeah I think you would really like I mean it is very sweet and it is also violent and right. intense as all Quentin movies are um, okay two great ones off the board three and four Dobbins yeah. In drama, I'll take Goodwill Hunting, and an Oscar nominee, I will take Titanic. You can have it all, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that set up very nicely for you. Yeah, that, that you really I, landed I, your after narrative. After your story about Matt and Ben, it was going to be weird if I was like, "I'll take, take Goodwill Hunting. Hunting." I was nervous that yeah. if you wanted to rip my heart out, you could have, and that that was the one where I, I knew Boogie Nights would go before I picked third, and that that was the deal. That if I with Chris, that if I had one, I would take Boogie Nights, but. Just to bring a sense of viciousness back to the draft, but mm-hmm. my heart would not have been in it. Obviously, it's super important. Film. Same my thing. heart is in. I love Goodwill Hunting, Good but Will like Hunting. my heart would have been, yeah. after that sweet story about you know forty oh. page books and yeah, Matt yeah, and Ben. Yeah. I would have had a hard time being yeah. like, I'll take that. Goodwill Hunting is great. It's I fucking love Goodwill Hunting. The best movie. It's a really nice. Um, fusion of things. I don't really feel like this happens quite as much in movies anymore. When I remember when it was. When, it, when you figured out that it was a Gus Van Zandt movie, even though it didn't feel specifically like a Gus Van Zandt movie, it was like a great artist for hire. Mm-hmm. I feel like you don't see that as much in non-franchise entertainment and that there's something cool about that movie sitting in the middle of his filmography, which is kind of surrounded by lots of personal passion projects and idea movies. And this is like an old school 70s drama, right? About a complicated guy who's trying to figure out his place in the world. Um I love Good Will Hunting. It's a good movie. Okay, so Titanic. That's a that's a, a big film. That's a big movie. It's the biggest movie. Yes, it was successful. Yeah, it did well. Um, people liked it. Is it good? We talked about it once. We did a movie swap. It's good, right? It's really good. It's really good. We yeah. we do this. You try to do this all the time to like create drama, but like Titanic's really good. We'll okay. talk about it more later this year. Yes, we will. I have a question. So Titanic is just this absolute runaway train. What is it? Six hundred million that year. Mm-hmm. What does it eventually get to? Like eight. Yeah, I think it's over eight hundred million. Yeah. Um. Is it over a billion? It might even be over a billion. And anecdotally, as I'm sure you agree, this is a movie people saw three, four, five times in the theater. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, it was actually like, I knew I knew people who were like, what are you doing this week? Well, obviously, I'm going to go see Titanic again. That, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do people do that anymore? Do people go, do you think people go see like, say, uh, Infinity War five times in the I, movie theater? I do. I do. I, I wonder if that, trend for the Marvel films is starting to wane but I think Spider-Man Homecoming was a movie that um, home, no No Way Home excuse me the most recent Spider-Man saw movie multiple times. people saw that movie a lot um, and that's part of the reason why it did such amazing business I, th- I think when you see those movies there's like tentpole movies there's event movies and then there's like you gotta be their opening night movies and I find that the you gotta be their opening night movies tend to get repeat business which accounts for why they cross a billion dollars or whatever so like Wakanda Forever, you know, by the time people hear this will have just come out. I think one of the interesting questions about that movie from a business perspective, this is actually something that Bill and he hit on in his show, The Town, is will it be able to do what the first Black Panther movie did? Which was did? definitely some repeat which was business. That, which was yeah. like, this is a cultural event. 
and it really matters to people, like emotionally, it's a family film. There's so many reasons to go and go again. And this one will do great business no matter what because people love these movies. Will it get to the Titanic place where you see it three, four, five times? Right. I think that's hard. That's a lot, asking a lot of people. Chris, how many times did you see Top Gun Maverick in theaters? I saw it twice in movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did too. And then since then, I've seen it twice on planes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've seen it twice in theaters. I haven't seen it at home yet. I was waiting to watch it at home before our Best Movies of the Year podcast, which is actually about a month from now. Um, Will it make the list? Probably. Has your wife seen it? She has not. Oh, wow. That's exciting. That's the one. I got her to watch Barbarian before Top Gun Maverick. Okay. I didn't have that on my bingo card. That's interesting. Yeah. But she did watch Barbarian. Uh, we'll save that for another pod. Um, okay. <laughs> CR, you're up. I'll take LA Confidential and drama. God damn it. Speaking of movies, I saw multiple times in the movie theater. Yeah. I love this movie. This movie really rocks. I was a huge James Elroy fan at the time. I mean, I still am. But these, this is it during the like real Elroy. You're in your crime fiction bag right now. Yeah. I got my Elmore. Leonard and Elroy? Elroy. But yeah, the white, white Jazz and Big Nowhere and LA Confidential was just like my introduction to these kinds of like sprawling panoramic um, crime novels. And this was just Curtis Hansen. This is just like absolute like banger of an adaptation. Like it really does have some of the the sort of wild free jazz of Elroy, but it's also like just very, very workmanlike and it has uh, three very good performances. Um, and it's something of a star-making performance for Russell Crowe, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think I, we were just talking about how, what movie did I say? Somebody had the Russell Crowe Russell Crow part. Oh, isn't, but I think it was, was it Lashana Lynch and Woman King? I can't even remember. Somebody just being like, who's that person? Like, yeah. I want to be with that yeah, person yeah. more. Um, and also, Ed Exley, you know, like guy, guys, guy, guy, awesome guy in this. he's great in that movie yeah. and I'd, I'd never seen him before either. So great movie. Chris, yeah. the late, great Curtis Hansen. Um, sheesh, two picks. So I think that that's the, is that the big five? You think the big yeah, six? Probably. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's obviously a ton of really good movies left, but that feels like a pretty, an interesting blend of high art, mainstream excitement and acceptance. So the lasting top, legacy. Yeah. The top here is what you would, on January 1st, if you could close your eyes and hope for a big movie year for you guys to talk about all year. Oh, man. It yes. would be a year like this at the top. Then you get into like, kind of like... You don't have to be rude. There's no, some, yeah. No, I mean, then you get with the rest of the year of the movies of 1997. It's like, that was pretty good. Yeah. Or it, maybe it's more for taste. But these six or whatever, like, whew. True. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Sweat. You mean armpit tears of weakness brought about by poor deodorant choices? Say goodbye to that salty river that floweth from your underarm with Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Made for 24-7 sweat protection with daily use and an undeniable smell of cedarwood and lime. 
Mm. Giving you the confidence you need to quit your job, move to a remote island, and spend your days frolicking with dolphins. Old Spice Swagger Antiperspirant. Shop Old Spice now. This is a tricky spot. I mean, I know one thing that I'm going to take. So I'll just take it. In drama, I'm taking the game. Okay. Fuck off. David yeah. Fincher's... I guess I deserve that. Thrilling. I don't know. Is it, a, is it like a con man movie? Is it a puzzle movie? Is it a... It's a paranoia movie. Yeah. Paranoia. Well put. With, um, with one of the great houses on film. That this kitchen is up there with anything Nancy Myers has ever done. Uh, I love the sequence when he returns to his home and it's been vandalized in neon spray paint and... Yeah. Um, White Rabbit is playing so loudly on speakers and it's so disorienting. This is a beautiful movie. We did do this on the rewatchables once upon a time. You know, I think there's a case that it's the most underrated of the Fincher movies. It comes immediately after Seven. Awesome Michael Douglas performance at the center of it. Kind of like almost riffing on a post-basic instinct. Like rich, powerful guy who gets duped, but this time maybe not just by a woman, but by something grander than that. Um, And it does feel like, I agree, like an homage to the Pakula movies of the 70s or something like that. Really, really cool movie that has aged very well, I think, in, an, in a time of conspiracy. So that's my drama. It feels like I'm going to, I need to get a blockbuster. So I'm going to take a blockbuster here. I, this doesn't, isn't necessarily my favorite movie that's on the board, but it's a movie that at the time I loved and was an event. And that movie is Face Off, which is, is it the best action movie of this year? It's in the conversation, I think. It's in the conversation. This is like a very, um, tabloidy year for action movies, like very high concept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I guess maybe low concept, but like very easy to say, like there's a president, the president's plane has been hijacked. Yes. Or, you know, the elevator are, pitches were sick. There are prisoners on a plane. Yes. You know, jailbreak on a plane. Like they're just like really good, like, yeah, pitches were, were awesome. In this one, it's what if an FBI agent and a criminal mastermind swapped faces? That's literally the idea. You seen this one? Yes. Because I believe we did a live event about Face Off like a million years ago. There was ago a the live Ringer. rewatchables. Yeah. What, did, did that ever get published? I don't think so. Was that Shay? Yes. I think, was it Shay, Jason, Mal, you and Bill? Were you guys all on that? I, yeah. wasn't, I was not on it. I just... No, yeah, I, thought, I, wasn't yeah, on, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, there. Yeah. I wasn't on it. Um, John Woo directed this movie? Mm-hmm. It, it, I believe it's his second American feature after Broken Arrow. It's, pr- it's probably his best American movie. What do you think? Uh, what would the other options be? Mission Impossible 2? Mission Impossible 2. Paycheck, you big paycheck guy. Yeah, it's definitely his best American yeah. movie. Um, it's not better than Hard Boiled or... I mean, it's better than Hard Target in my opinion. Actually, it's his third American movie. Oh, that's right. He, after Hard JCVD. Target. Um, face Off Rocks. You remember when Nick Cage was like... I do remember face it. Yeah. off. They put that in the trailer. <laughs> I remember it. And everybody yeah. was like, that's the name of the movie. Yeah. Remember that feeling? That was really cool. I love it when they put the name Don't in the movie. Don't soft sell Face Off. <laughs> I, just, I think Face Off is not my favorite from this year. I'm happy for you to have it. Okay. You know, you. I know what she wants with Blockbuster. I don't know what you want. Are you going to go with Blockbuster now? I'm going to go with Blockbuster. I'm going to take Con Air. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of great ensembles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does. And speaking of great Nick Cage performances and speaking of, of, of great pitches for movies, it's just wild that like, Steve Buscemi and John Malkovich and and Ving Rhames and and Danny Trejo, am I right? Yeah, uh, just just made up this this murderer's row of of villains on a plane, and then John Cusack and Cole Meany were like, "We got to bring this plane down." Cole, we need you have kind of Cyrus the virus energy. 
You remind me of him a little bit. Do you remember Cyrus the Virus? No. John Malkovich's character on, in this film? Oh, I do remember. I didn't remember his name. He no. was like a post-Hannibal Lecter, like, what if guys are just pure evil in movies yeah. kind of dude. And this is also one of my favorite setups, which is like a good guy has to go to jail for manslaughter because he accidentally kills someone in a bar fight, which I feel like, I can't think of another <laughs> example, but I do feel like it comes up a lot where it's like, but your two hands were should have been like deadly weapons. So like, <laughs> it's like you have to go to prison. <laughs> you, how many times have you been tried for murder because you kicked the guy's ass in a bar? <laughs> Four? Yeah. Five? I have great attorneys though. <laughs> I like Con Air. It is very silly. It's a stupid movie. Very yeah. silly. Yeah. I mean, not that Face Off isn't silly. It is also very silly. We did lose something. You you were, you made this whole speech about how like actually maybe they weren't that good or this is not always necessarily yeah these but movies, we lost this yes yeah I think that this is what if they had just distilled all the ideas of like Fast and the Furious into like two movies instead of ten mm -hmm. that's that's what this is you know it's just like fucking drive a car through a building that's great yeah but like instead they do it ten times they have to go to space and, right right Nick Cage walked so Vin right. Diesel could run but run to where don't be I know I run like to where. To Rio, space? where they, I know. They, they left Rio. Space. That was I, years I, ago. I do understand we that. We can't keep protecting Fast Five. We're on Fast 10. <laughs> I do understand that, and I don't think they're good. And I, too, am ready to move on. Why do you support on. fossil fuels? Okay. <laughs> Just Seriously. I liked the one movie. Okay. That was good. Uh, you have two picks. I do. In Blackbuster, I'll be taking uh, the classic My Best Friend's Wedding, a just hugely just a delightful movie. important yeah. movie to me. This is, I had, I talked about this so much on our Julie Roberts Hall of Fame, which should have been a larger, longer episode, but um, that's okay. It's like an hour and 47 minutes. And, and she then, was like, what? <laughs> what? We're stopping? <laughs> that was a really rude impression. And second of all, he just let me, what? <laughs> Chris is just dying. You've been, Sean's really been getting into voice work this yeah, week. Yeah. That's like the other half what else of the- When are we going to talk about my TikTok persona? Yes. <laughs> It was really good. He just did it for like 20 minutes. You weren't around. And so I think he felt comfortable oh, to just, explore. Hey guys, it's yeah. November 10th. <laughs> yeah. uh, here to tell you about all the exciting new films we're going to have <laughs> in movie theaters this month. Coming first, Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. If you enjoyed Hocus Pocus circa 1996 like I did, you're very excited for this. The original cast is back together. We should do improv games on this See pod. See you on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> like I'll give you a movie character and I'll give you a scenario. Well, you would crush that. We can't play that right. game. You yeah. would kill us. As John Smoltz calling the NLCS. <laughs> you know? I hope you know I will be clipping that that voice work that you just did, Sean, and I will be creating a TikTok account around, account so, around sounds it. Sounds good. Sounds good. I you can't should wait. do that voice, but you got to just do it doing like descriptions of horror movies. So in Smile, uh, a woman takes a piece of pottery and... <laughs> hey, everyone. Cuts off her face. Very exciting Oscar season this year, starring in Tar, Kate Blanchett. She, of course, is a wonderful performer. I hope you see this film. See you at the movies. <laughs> this is the thing. He just kept going for like 15 minutes. This is good. You've really been practicing this on is your good. own. In 1997, I enjoyed the movie L.A. Confidential, starring Russell Crowe and Kevin Spacey, directed by Curtis Hansen. See you at the movies. <laughs> I think I could do well. I think I could do well on TikTok. I think I'd do really well. It's so funny. They'd be like, you're so old. Why is this old man in my feed? There's got to be old people on TikTok. They just never write about them, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. 
There, I think there are, but I think they're like really old. I think you kind of have to. It's like the sixty plus demo, you know, uh, okay. like a lot of grandma stuck in the middle. Yeah, being like, yeah, no one wants to hear from you except for me. I really enjoy your voice work, except the one of me. It was really rude. Sorry, I was just trying and, to do ex- exclaiming. I wasn't trying to Im- impersonate you. Yeah, I'm sorry you. that I bring energy to a podcast. This hey, is a performing hey space. Hey, Jim hey this is Amanda Dobbins, but I, I love <laughs> Julie Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great character. See see you at the movies. (laughs) Uh, My best friend's wedding is where you were. The thing, not not to go back to sensitive topics, but the thing about the Julie Roberts Hall of Fame is that he didn't let me know until there was only 10 minutes left that he was like, we're wrapping this That he was like, we're wrapping this. And I was only like on 1997 or something. Him and Bill, you got to watch the eyes because something something dies in them and you're like, okay, we're wrapping this up. Is that true? No, not for you. Because you love, like, I feel like you get stronger as you go on. Yeah. <laughs> I, you have a very I busy do. schedule. I do. I like Bill, a long pod. It's Bill not about that. And that's of, why Amanda was disappointed because she's like, I just gave you an hour and 45 minutes of my life for tar. Yeah. Why can't you give it to me for something I and care I about? Love, which I understand. I also care about tar. Yeah. You I know? just, I had to go. I have a job too. I just, I, a Julia Roberts Hall of Fame doesn't come around very often. And in fact, and it will I, never come back and again. I di- maybe we could redo it, but I. <laughs> If she, she does said some more movies. Well, I just, I like, I, I had so much to say about all the movies. I don't normally have a lot of thoughts about deep cuts. And he was like trying to fast forward me through Mona Lisa Smile. And I was uh, like, no. Sucks. But I watched all of it recently. Fascinating. I'd love to do a different podcast with you about it. Can I just have a side convo with you a little bit about uh-huh. what do you think of how 1997 perceived Cameron Diaz? Because, you know, she's interesting in this movie. And then I was watching a little bit of A Life Less Ordinary last night. Yeah. And I remembered how excited I was for that. Because was that 97? Was a, yeah, that was. Yeah. Well, it was 96. I think it came out internationally or something. And then it okay. debuted in America in 97. Got it. This is Danny Boyle's Followed third to film. Train Spotting. Yes. Yeah. So Shallow, Shallow Grave, Grave and Train Spotting were like two huge movies for me. And I was like, this is going to be so cool. It's like Bonnie and Clyde. And it's like pitched at a very, very annoying frequency. It's yep. just, but they. The viewpoint of Carmen Diaz is like her as like this. She's just not cool in these movies. Right. Right. And like. Though she does get the moment standing up yeah. to Julia Roberts right. in My Best Friend's Wedding. And it's a great climactic scene in the ballpark, in the bathroom at Kaminsky Park. And, you know, she yells, you're a food critic. And <laughs> that's how she says it. And it's very funny. You know, it's funny that she's playing a 20 year old who's dropping out of college uh, to marry an aspiring sports writer who is trapped. You know, it, it, it would be funny to watch the 2022 version of this in a number of a uh, number of ways. But they're definitely still figuring out who Cameron Diaz is. Yeah. And they, they let her have the moment in this, but she does have to like play second fiddle to Julia Roberts until then. Uh, I think this is the one that we agree on the most with Julia. Yeah. This is the one that like I saw in movie theaters I thought was great. I thought it was really funny. Um, and she obviously is like, forgive me, but like really hot at yes. this time. Like she yeah. looks really, really, really sexy in this movie too. Her hair is like so big and she's really vivacious. She was kind of mean in a funny way. Right. Um, it's a really good movie. It's like, it also is, there are no movies like this that will ever make $150 million ever again. Yeah. That is another thing that yeah. is lost. Um, not to say that there aren't good movies like this, but they just can't be in the blockbuster category. Exactly. Um, you got two there? No, I didn't. Okay. My in comedy, I'll take a film called Men in Black. Bobby, can you just do like the breakdown from the song? You know, just like the slide with me, just slide with me. Yeah, of course. Thank That's you what so I'm, much. Of course, I'm always here to execute on <laughs> any you. drops that you ask from me, Amanda. <laughs>
who's the star of this movie? Uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. I love them both, despite... Linda Fiorentino is in this movie? She is. Yeah. Okay, and and a bunch of aliens. You, that's that's your speed. Yeah. yeah. That's your Julia Roberts. Um, <laughs> so you don't usually love creature stuff. Yeah. And there's a big, um, literally a big bug. Yeah, I remember. Played by Vincent D'Onofrio in this film, an yeah, alien bug. But it's funny. It's okay. paid for it's played for laughs. Okay. Again, I was 12 turning 13. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a time of transition. And I also really like both Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones in 1997. It's a very funny dynamic. Their their chemistry is awesome. Yeah. Um, it works. I was on the... I originated the Andy Circus should be nominated for Gollum or Caesar from Planet of the you Apes. You originated that? With, no, I originated it with Vincent D'Onofrio should be nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Men in Black at okay. the time. Yeah. Wow. When I was like, I, I hey, know about awards. this is Sean Fennessy. I think Vincent <laughs> D'Onofrio gives a stirring performance <laughs> in Men in Black. <laughs> see you at the movies. See you at the movies. <laughs> should we sign off with see you at the movies every so, week? Yeah. Okay. Um, they yeah, meant to come cool. up. I, don't, was that Siskel and Ebert who did see you at the movies? I think so. That was one of the many titles, yeah. So maybe you should be like, we'll see you at the multiplex. It's no. more like we'll see you on my couch in my garage okay. while well, I stream then films you get arrested, quietly all night. So, yeah, that's, um, don't that's, come to my house. Yeah. Like no, not say see you at my garage. See, see, see you in my, my ADU. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ve- I'm vetoing that no, with yeah. whatever power I have. Barbarian 2, see you in my garage. <laughs> okay. Don't be alarmed if I'm dressed like a character from Funny Games. <laughs> Chris, you've got to pick. You want to say anything else about Men in Black? You, you are, are you into the films of Barry Sonnenfeld? Well, they kind of drop off a cliff after yeah. a certain point. They do. I love Get Shorty. He's on a run. He was he was Joel and Ethan's guy for he a minute. He was. Great cinematographer Shot of that Miller's era. Crossing. He did. He did. He's a very good cinematographer. It's my turn. Uh, yes. Galaxy Defender. <laughs> I think for... So, uh, so, what do I got here? Let's just let's just review. Um, I have Con Air and Blockbuster. I have Jackie Brown and Oscar. And I have LA Confidential and Drama. So I need a comedy and I need an action movie and a wild card. See you at the movies. And in action, I got to admit, I'm going to take Starship Troopers. God, this is two in a row. I just really love watching Starship Troopers. It's so good. The movie. It's uh, so good. I don't really need it so much as like a essay on fascism. I think it's just really entertaining as it is. Wait, what? I, it's good as an essay on fascism. But that's what makes it great. Is it? Of course. If I mean, it wasn't entertaining, would you be like, but it's so, so smart about fascism? No, the point is that it's both at the same time and that almost no one can do that. The point is that it has depth. But that it's also a really you funny just got movie. So serious! I'm so mad because you took it and you were just like, "But it's a whatever about fascism." Like that's the whole point. Come on, give it to me. No, that's how I'm you're going to treat it in you. public. I've obviously upset you, which is the goal of this project. That's true. Well, you've upset me. Okay, you've disrespected Paul Verhoeven's <laughs> masterwork of bug science fiction. Remember when you made me talk about his lesbian nun movie from my mom's house? <laughs> <laughs> So actually, the best part of it was we're talking about the film Benedetta, yeah. which is definitely one of our funniest pods. If you haven't okay. heard that one, if you didn't I go back to that, that one yeah, when, no, no, you, no, no, when no. they were uh, taking care of Knox, I would check that one out because okay. it was like December twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, and I was like, "CR, I need you to watch Benedetta tonight and pod with me in the morning." And he was like, "I'm I'm literally in Philly with my mom, and we've been watching MSNBC for four hours." 
don't make me do this. She was like, where are you going? And I was like, to watch a movie. And she's like, would I like it? And I was like, oh, no, it's, I got to take notes during it, so don't worry about it. Benedetto is so good. So Starship Troopers. He's a great director. I also, you know, I, I you've convinced me. It is an amazing <laughs> essay on fascism. So I have the, I'll take that in action horror. Starship Troopers is the one where it, it keeps cutting to a sort of like news bulletin yeah. that everyone sees and learn more. Would you like to learn yeah. more? That's, I love that. Uh, okay. Boy, I, I feel like I'm stuck now. Amanda's going to win anyway, so. Let's not, let's not think that way. No, yeah. I just, just enjoy our time together I'm and then when Amanda time. wins, we can applaud her. Yeah. That's, I, I don't need to win. I'm winning for myself, you know? That's true. You got what you need. Yeah. Um, in comedy, I'm going to take Austin Powers' <gasps> International Man of Mystery. Is that the first one? This is the first one. I, I did one. want this in Wildcard, but... There are some other good comedies this year. You're not SOL, but Austin Powers was the comedy sensation. It actually wasn't the comedy sensation. It was a movie that did all right at the box office, but belatedly became a real cult phenomenon and a Halloween costume yeah. and a DVD sales monster. And uh, we recently did this on the Rewatchables as well. And it's just incredibly funny. And is like, I think I saw this movie before I saw more than two James Bond movies. Oh, interesting. And so... because well, you're no, similar, s- Same vibe. But you love James Bond and he doesn't. Yes. Yes. That's true. But you it's know, interesting. I, I wonder if, if Austin Powers ruined James Bond for you. I, it's crossed my mind. I think it's possible that it, by identifying all of the ticks and in the GoldenEye video game, also probably, <laughs> you're like, nothing will ever no, be better that than that. That helped this. me. Smoking a J with my buddies in the basement, just crushing GoldenEye. That was, that was a great time in my life. Um, that was like a year later, two years later. Yeah. It was good times. Can we go back to that? If you, got in a t- if you can get in a time machine, but you could only go back to a period in your life. This is like a whole great pod that I wish we were doing right now okay. instead of this pod. But, but like for movies or for life? Just any, just you, but it has to be within the time frame of your life. But I need to know more about the parameters. Like, am I going back because of my life or because I want to just like be This in isn't the film primer. Again? Whatever you want, no, it's you because of your life. It's because of my life? Yeah. Well, and, of- and am I reliving or do I get to make different choices? And do I have the knowledge that I well, have? That's a very good question. I hadn't considered that okay. one. Okay. I would say... It's yeah, a, is this like a back to the future thing or is this... No, because you're not observing yourself. No, you get thrown into your old you self. You get to relive. But you have your current consciousness. Yeah. Yes, you do. You have your current weird. consciousness. You know how things turned out the first time. Yes, and you could alter the path. Yeah. Well, I mean, that opens up a lot of just, you know, butterfly effects. Like, I, What an amazing what if. No, I'm not going to read... I guess I can't change anything then. I don't know. I really li- I like my kids. So, you know, anything, anything I did differently. But it could be as simple it. as I would like to redo the 2005 movie draft. <laughs> <laughs> but under so your- you would go back in time to last year <laughs> to just have a, so that I didn't pick Iron Man 3. <laughs> I mean, you could. What's your answer? Uh, yeah. There, like, no changes. You know what's funny? No is notes. The way you started that question was like, what would be the most fun time to go back? Right. And then in, I think inevitably Amanda and I both were like, how could we either fix a mistake we made or not fuck up what we have now? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. But what about just reliving something you loved? I was going to say, I would love to go on my honeymoon again. Okay. Yeah, just one. on like a extended... By the way, I, I, I could if someone would just sponsor uh, my trip to the Cannes Film Festival and then the Venice Film Festival. It would Daniel Eck, is that who you're referring to? <laughs> yes. I think if I could, I would go back to when I was like 14 mm-hmm. 
and I would take golf really seriously and then see that brought me in my life. I love this for you. Yeah. Because instead, it's like I waited until I was way too old, and I just like a lot of that stuff doesn't mechanically make sense. But if you, (laughs) if you did that, yeah, you would have to sacrifice your career as an as a ace swimmer and second baseman. Yeah, I mean, but those things didn't pan out. A catcher, 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 second baseman. Yeah. Okay. I well, I have two different. You're sort of a Craig Bishop. I was a catcher, and then when these kids came back from camp at the end of the summer, I was moved to second base. It was controversial for me. Okay. Second base is where uh, because the non athletes the kid's dad okay. was the assistant manager, and oh. I felt like there was some dirty pool going on. Okay, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I was just like this fucked up. Are you, you absolutely sure you don't want to go back to that moment and do what and get justice <laughs> and say, "Sir, I know why this is happening. I may be fourteen, <laughs> but this happened for a reason." Chris, what was your pop time like? How was the arm to second base? Um, I would say that I probably was a better game manager. Pitcher, whisperer, mm. and just general vibes of course. emanator than I was. See, I, I can see that. I was no Benito Santiago, you know? Mm. This takes us mm. back to the Juliet Littman's prevailing theory of Chris Ryan's life, which is that men love Chris Ryan. They do. That's why I was on, on the cruising rewatchables. That's <laughs> 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 uh, very good. Um, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, Amanda's pick. No. You picked. You picked uh, a movie. Which one was it? I picked Austin Powers International. Oh, yeah. Industry, yeah. And I have another pick. I don't know where to go. I genuinely don't know where to go. I'm going to go through. You have to do. A- you have to do action. I have action horror thriller left on the board. This is a really tricky one. It's not a great horror year, in my estimation. We've taken a lot of the big action movies. In fact, you could say Men in Black, Face Off, Con Air. These are all action movies, but they weren't taken in the action category, right? Or did you take Con Air in action? No, I didn't. I took it at Blockbuster. I took Starship Troopers in action. Okay, there's an easy answer, and I'm, I'm going to go with it. In action horror thriller, I'm going to take Event Horizon, which is Paul W.S. Anderson's... That was going to be my wild card. Uh, ...junk sci-fi masterpiece, which you and I celebrated earlier this year. We did. ...on one of our most beloved pods. So Sam Esmail is going to be on a future uh, episode of this show. Um, we recorded with him recently, and um, he had a lot of thoughts about the episodes that are just me and you talking about genres <laughs> that we like a lot, yeah. and his thoughts were not nice. What do you, <laughs> is it like we misunderstood those genres or made things no, up? No, he just thinks you're too bro right. Yeah. <laughs> he had some choice words for Chris Ryan. However... Yeah? Yeah. However... He is interested in JMO as a as a concept. He's not invited. Okay. <laughs> His JMO was Mr. Robot. He got five seasons That's of that. True. Like, me, me and Sean can have a couple of, of I, our, I do, our own JO sessions before I, he okay, gets our, <laughs> jerk off sessions. No. Okay. I don't know what that meant. Um Event Horizon is a, d- a deeply troubling film about yeah. what happens when you lose your mind in space. And uh, I love it. It's an amazing performance from Sam Neill. It has a great supporting cast. Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Kathleen Quinlan. Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson went on to make a lot of C or B grade action sci-fi movies, including a number of Resident Evil films. He made a lot of films with his partner, Mila Jovovich. We also had an, an important film in 1997. Um, but Event Horizon is one of the few movies of this time in that genre whose reputation has only grown. And I think that this has become even beyond a cult movie and something that people really, really like. And I, I could see a world in which it was a rewatchables, honestly. It's oh, kind of, for sure. It's become like a much rewatched movie and it blends horror and sci-fi in a way that you don't often see. So, Event Horizon. Okay, back to Chris. I'll take gross point blank in comedy. 
uh, which, you know, is just, was one of those movies where, like, when it comes, it came along, it had, like, instant rewatchability for me, mostly because of, like, the music. I was also very into Mini Driver. Um, yeah. This is Amazing a great year I've been, for her. I've been talking about her recently yeah. as well. And she's really delightful in this movie. Great. So um, funny. Features a pretty, pretty funny Jeremy Piven cameo mm-hmm. uh, as he usually makes in John Cusack movies. And it, this just had a great soundtrack, great vibe. Dan Aykroyd's good in it. Joan Cusack's good in it. It, you know, we were at peak Hitman at this point, so I think this movie went a little under the radar at the time, but became like I think a kind of cult classic throughout the two thousands of people rewatching it and doing jokes and stuff from it. So this is this is my comedy, one of my favorites. This was my number two on the list of comedies. Um, I meant to rewatch it. I just haven't seen it in a long time. I liked it a lot, yeah. and then it just didn't enter the. It's really cool. She's the she's like the small town DJ. And she's like sitting in like her window booth and is always like commenting on what she sees. It's a really good framing device too. Just an amazingly fake character. Just, yeah. That's not a person. The coolest Just person the coolest ever, girl like, that ever stayed lives. in yeah. her small town to be a, a DJ. punk rock DJ. She knows yeah. everything about like really cool indie music from the 1980s and uh, great soundtrack. Yeah. I love this movie. Cusack. What a year for him. Yeah, Con Air and us. You like Cusack? Of course. Do you love him? No, but I think that's only because he's never, I mean, I guess, I guess I do have affection for him from Say Anything. Mm -hmm. And then I find high fidelity to just be the summation of that Mm non-existent character, the mini driver character and gross point blank, you know, like, no, no, sorry, it's. It's good, but I find right. it irritating. The 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 high fidelity character yes. could only invent the mini driver exactly. character. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember in the beginning of this pod where I was like, there was a lot of movies I was really excited for, and then when I saw them, I was like, that that sucked. High fidelity. Uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good oh. and Evil is one. Of Heartbreaking. Them. One of the first like big bestsellers I ever read. I don't even know why that. And book then crossed Clint my path. Eastwood being like, I got I got this. I'm going to turn around in nine months. See you guys at the movies. It feels like a movie that was made really See quick. See you at the movies. <laughs> See you at the movies. We should do Clint Eastwood as a as, TikToker. Yeah. Okay. But weekly updates on new films in theaters. Okay. Do you want to have what what era Eastwood? Like Cry Macho? Like Absolutely. Barely being able to get to the truck? You're just pure yeah. rasp. Okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, you have to dress like Clint Eastwood. Wakanda forever. <laughs> See you at the movies. Got a rooster. <laughs> I stand by Cry Macho. Yeah. David Zaslav no. will not let Clint Eastwood make another movie. That bit. Really? Yeah. He's, he has turned down the pitch. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's. After this many decades with the Warner Damn. family? That's it. He's, it's done. So what's Clint going to do? Sarandos to the rescue? Run for the mayor of Carmel again? I, don't, I really don't know. Does he still have his office on the lot? I, I, I assume not. Wow. I believe that they have cut ties. Which is is that like they, a, they just, has that been written about? Are you breaking news? It's been reported news? that he has declined to make the film that he wants to make. Does not anybody he personally know? that Warner Brothers has declined? Was he going to be in that movie? I'm not sure. Did they just like escort the old man off the lot? Like what? Yeah, they kicked him in the balls. Yeah. They said, "Hit the bricks, pal." Fuck off, Mal Paso Productions. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe the relations are still good. I don't know. I, I do know that. There's not a Clint Eastwood film in production for like the first time in a long time. Maybe he can pitch a, a, a cool take on a DC character. Get back in there. You know, that's what I would love for him. I think he should just start potting. <laughs> he could be the third chair on JMO. He's got some political thoughts. Clint? Yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. The, the empty chair sitch? <laughs> that's yeah. a tough one. That, was, Clint that wasn't ideal. <laughs> <laughs> that, wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't my best day. How many more do we have here? 
Uh, I, I believe Amanda picks. has two picks, and then you've got one, and I've got one. Yeah. Okay. In action horror thriller, I will be taking Air Force One, a movie in which Harrison Ford is the president. Yeah, and Gary Oldman is a Russian terrorist. Yeah, I mean this. Get off my plane! <laughs> that's really that's a pretty good Harrison. I just killed your national security <laughs> advisor. Really? Just, like, have you like? tracked that as you open up and like forge more emotional relationships with your friends then you also have the confidence to explore new voice work you know here's the thing (laughs) i live comfortably in the shadow of chris ryan yeah i feel actually that safer being beside such a charismatic man as i go through the stages of my adult life and chris is 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 (laughs) tremendous at voice work but i have i have a skill set and sometimes I have to let it out. And, and That's true. And, yeah. and here yeah. I am today working on a handful of characters, among them the President of the United That's States right. of America in a movie. That's played by Get off my part. plane! <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about who's in this movie. So Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman are the hero and villain Correct. on this plane. Glenn Close is the vice president, if yeah. I remember correctly. Correct. William H. Macy is the pilot. Yeah. There's an amazing <laughs> moment in the trailer of this movie where he goes, did she say Migs? Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know Macy was just like, yeah, I fucking got that yep. one. Yep. Wolfgang Peterson directed. The late great. Yeah. He passed away great. this year. Yeah. We didn't yeah. celebrate his work. Um, Just just an astonishing assemblage of, of acting talent. For... For a very dumb, enjoyable yeah. movie. I I had last night time to watch like half of one movie before I went to bed. I asked my husband, hey, do you want to watch Air Force One with me? I, how excited was he? He was just like, yes, absolutely. And you guys know Zach will like is a 930 bedtime, yeah. but it was 945. And I was like, you want to watch 20 minutes before you go to bed? Sat right down on the couch. It was beautiful. This was the uh, birthday party movie for me. Released on Sick. July 25th, 1997. There and you go. did you just stone cold stunner the my dad the Russian separatists no, after that? No, yeah. my father who drove me to the movie theater, <laughs> kicked him in the stomach, dropped the stunner on him. Uh, what was this? Isn't Kazakhstan involved in this film? Yes, because the it's they take out the president yeah, of want, Kazakhstan okay. and they want him released. Yeah, right? it's like a joint was this US a prequel Russian to Borat mission. Yes, okay, it was. Um, it's part of the larger universe. Um. No, but it's like a Russian-U.S. task force that okay. takes out the president of okay. Kazakhstan. It's like a post-USSR thing. And they definitely film in Russia, which is still, it's just very strange to me now when I just watch Hollywood movies just gallivanting around Moscow. It just doesn't seem like that would be allowed anymore. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're through... All categories but wild card. Yes. There are three selections remaining. Mm-hmm. This is this is a really good roster of movies that we've compiled thus far. It absolutely. I is. feel really good about where we're at. Amanda, you're up. Yeah, I'll be honest. Most of my wild cards or options are already on the board. Okay, but I do have one left. The movie I really like, and I remember seeing maybe not in 1997, but pretty soon thereafter. It's Love Jones. 
Mm. Do you guys know yeah. Love Jones? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Lorenz Tate, Nia Long. This is just like a grown-up romantic, really, it's a drama. It's not a romantic comedy, but in a in a sphere of genre that I really respond to. Um, just like great chemistry between the between Lorenz Tate and Nia Long. And I just remember being like, oh, this is um. This is for grownups. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this very is something else. Movie. Exactly. Yes. Very sexy movie. Uh, and it's just wonderful. If you haven't seen it, check out Love Jones. Did it, did it, did it open something in your, in your mind? Possibly. I mean, I do think I saw it. It's not like the first sex scenes I ever saw because I, I don't think I saw it in 1997. I think I saw it like a bit later, but there was just something it, it took all of the stakes of the relationships and the sex like a little more seriously Mm -hmm. than a romantic comedy say. And I was like, Oh, you know, not everything has to be like jokes and banter that there's like another level here. That's like pretty interesting to me. I like it. Um, good pick. Yeah, I don't. It, it's sort of a cult classic. I feel like I don't know if it really. What happened a, to Theodore Witcher, the guy who made that movie? I have no idea. He he made Love Jones. He directed a City High video. Hmm. And that's all his credits. That's it. He wrote a movie called Body Count that came out in 1998, and that's it. Hmm. That's so strange. He's just gone. This film joined uh, the City Criterion High Collection thing, this year. Actually. Oh, it did. Love oh, Jones. Great. Yeah. City High, City High was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do? That was a big hit. That was a big hit in my household. My sister sang that song every fucking day. What would I do for my wild card? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot feel, of stuff on the board here. I, yeah. And I kind of like, there's a part of me that wants to pick something that I haven't gotten to t- talk about before on yeah, a podcast. I know what you mean. And then there's a part of me that's like, well, you should take, take the obvious. But it, I'm going to talk to you about a movie that I saw recently because it was on cable. And I was like, this is fucking solid. Okay. And it's The Boxer. It's Daniel Day-Lewis's mm-hmm. movie with Jim Sheridan. The most overlooked of the DDL Sheridan yeah, so trilogy. so in the name of the father, kind of, you know. Um, but Jesus. So this is uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Emily Watson, Brian Cox. Have you seen this? No. And he plays um, a guy getting out of prison in Northern Ireland after like a 14-year stint. And he falls back in love with the woman that he was with when he went into jail. Or, or like, a, like a high school girlfriend kind of era. But while he's been in prison, she is married or is with a guy who is now also in prison and you're not supposed to cheat on IRA, your IRA boyfriend oh. while he's in prison. It's like mm-hmm. a big IRA Omerita okay. thing. So they become like the targets of the IRA. And during this whole thing, he's trying to like set up a boxing gym and have fights for like non-sectarian, like we're just going to, you know, Protestants and Catholics fight like come to the boxing and it's just great drama Brian Cox is awesome in it and DDL is probably as close to I I guess quote unquote a normal character Mm. that he basically ever plays where he's just like a guy named Danny who fights and and loves inspirational figure for you yeah so just because we've never talked about it before I thought I'd throw that on there there's a bunch that we have there's a lot of really good movies left on the board but I, I just wanted to highlight that one it's a very good pick there's so many good movies left there are a couple of personal all-time favorites one of them is the devil's advocate mm-hmm. i was waiting for this yeah which is uh directed by taylor hackford and, and written, written by, by the great tony gilroy yeah. who is a three-time guest on the watch two and- time twice so the first and or time was the first conversation you ever had with him yeah okay so he just recently appeared again for a second time to talk about Andor. 
one of our great screenwriters. Um, I would contend that the massive operatic showdown between Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino that we've often flanked referenced. by Connie Nielsen. Yeah, yeah. The I'm a fan of man. <laughs> that speech. Look, but don't touch. <laughs> touch, but don't taste. Taste, but don't swallow. That that is. I think that's Gilroy's best work. You think it's better than anything in Michael Clayton? It's not, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, but it but is. But it is. Yeah. To me, he's an absentee landlord. That's I. I really love it, and uh, you know, there's a bunch of other movies. I really like Gattaca. You know, I I really like um, the Fifth Element, mm-hmm. the Luc Besson science fiction movie. You're a huge U-turn guy. I I thought when I I've said this before, I'm certain, but when I saw the trailer for U-turn, I was like, this will probably be the best movie ever made. I know. Sean Penn. It wasn't Joaquin, a young Claire Danes, J Lo, Billy Bob Thornton, and uh, it was a bad noir film. Um, my, the only thing I was thinking about taking over the Devil's Advocate was Robert Zemeckis's Contact. Yeah, which I think is a very very. Are good you movie. just naming all these movies? But you did take De- Devil's. I'm Advocate. taking the Devil's okay. Advocate. <laughs> the Devil's Advocate is is my the boxer where it's just like sure. I would not feel good if I didn't take this. Maybe not even the best strategic pick, but I just have so much. I, if people haven't seen the Devil's Advocate, I've probably talked about it on pods like three hundred times. Yeah. yeah. I'm a fan of man, and I'm a fan of Tony Gilroy's yeah. writing. Um, I'm not a fan of Keanu Reeves' Florida accent. Yeah. It's tough. I don't lose. I win. His name is uh, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like Kevin Lomax. Imagine asking Keanu to play a guy named Kevin. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, but Contact is beautiful. You guys seen Contact? Yes. Not recently. I do remember that um, it was a point of contention on rewatchables because Bill was just like, Contact's bad. Yeah. Yeah, which was a bad take. I yeah. think it was overhyped because I think it was the first film we that Robert Zemeckis made Jody after Forrest Gump. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We were probably yeah. talking about Panic Room. Yeah. And yes, he was like, contact sucks. Yeah. Uh, which is is just simply not true. There are parts of it that don't work, um, which became an increasingly common trend among Zemeckis movies mm-hmm. as time went on. Uh, there's some broad performances. I would say Matthew McConaughey as a spiritual leader. Yeah. Slash love interest. As like a like a pastor, a searching right. pastor. Yeah. yeah. We could probably could have done a little bit better there. But although he also, was hot at the time. Like sort of self-fulfilling in a way. Because he's become a pastor? No, but sort of like a spiritual, you know, he, he talks like that. He does talk like that. Um, a little, and a little, slightly more fun. That's a very grave character. That's true. Jodie Foster's wonderful in the movie. It's a great movie about uh, daughters who love their dads. Okay. All right. It's true. You know, you're a daughter who loves his, loves her dad. That is true. I am. So why are you giving me shit? I don't know. I just, I like to needle you. That's how I show my love. What other movies didn't we talk about? We didn't talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, we didn't talk about Scream 2. I won't rewatch I Know What You Did Last Summer. Okay. But I, I was there opening night. Okay. Uh, we didn't talk about Copland. Yeah. Yeah. That was on my, my list for dramas. And we didn't talk about Wag the Dog. Also on my list. Didn't take it. And Gattaca. Yeah, I mentioned Gattaca. Gattaca is a movie that lots the CR of, Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. A lot of a lot of younger people than us think is like dope. And I I'm thought like, this isn't one of your films. No, this is like when are you guys going to talk about Gattaca? It's the Gattaca twenty <laughs> third anniversary, and I'm just like, I don't think Gattaca is that good. Gattaca is a film directed by Andrew Nichols, starring <laughs> Ethan Hawke, Jude Law, and Uma Thurman. Arrived in theaters April fourteenth, nineteen ninety seven. See you at the movies. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Batman and Robin? Did you see that one in theaters? I did see it in theaters. What'd you think? Uh, I 
thought Chris O'Donnell was like really hot in 1997. Uh, I still hadn't given up on Chris O'Donnell. I guess the rest of the world had not either. Um, so that was my main response, but telling that I went to see Chris O'Donnell and not George Clooney is as oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Also, Alicia Silverstone was in it, she and was. Clueless was yeah. clearly important to me. I mean, yeah. you know, not good, but I saw it. Yeah, Uma played Poison oh, Ivy. That's right. That was fun. Uh, George of the Jungle came out that year. Missed that. Right. That was a Brendan Fraser film. So, Chris, let me ask you this: You know, The Whale is coming out. I in, do know in that about a month. Yeah, I saw the, the trailer, trailer the other just day. Dropped. Uh, I've seen the film. I was thinking we would do a Brendan Fraser Hall of Fame episode to talk about him because he is the whole, he's really the story of that movie in many ways. Um, and Brendan Fraser has since become, I think, even though he was a very successful movie star in his time, in his prime, has become even more of a cult object in part because of The Mummy, which is like a really beloved movie with that same group of, that you're talking about that loves Gattaca. Do Amanda and I, is there enough for us to do a proper Hall of Fame for Frazier. And I'm sort of asking this out loud to hear from listeners as well. Uh, I think it would be, maybe you would have to like change the parameters. Well, so the Hall of Fame is like what you select 10, ten movies? Films, 10 films. I'm sure you can figure it out. Did, did he disappear for a long period of time or was it like, was he working in B movies or? Yeah, I mean, he didn't work very much. You can you can read the yeah. work of Zach Barron. Um, so very gifted journalist working at GQ who's <laughs> written a feature about Brendan Fraser and where he went. Um, have you heard of Zach? Of Zach, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but he did. He went away for a long time. I mean, he didn't. <laughs> I, doesn't seem my choice. I read the. I, I know why. I just didn't know if he was like. I, <laughs> I just that was literally the title of the piece. Was <laughs> yeah. whatever happened to Brendan Fraser? I mean, I was. I was more setting it up for like what. What could you do with that sort of blank space? And like, what could you do yeah. with like mm. maybe? I mean, the other thing, I, and I'm really biased. At, you know, I like. I am just like rooting for Brendan, but I didn't really. I didn't see George of the Jungle. You know, well, this is sort of I, what I'm asking. There's yeah, some movies it's that like I, I wasn't like a huge. I mean, Encino ties, Man, yes, but Encino Man didn't like. You know, I was like seven Airheads. or whatever. Airheads is yeah, elite. yeah. I Airheads. Uh, I but like I haven't seen Dudley Do Right. Some of the kid stuff I haven't exactly. seen. I'm pretty shocked by something that happened on this draft. What okay. happened? You didn't pick Lost Highway. I just did a pot about it. To your point, when you said I don't want to talk about something that I've talked about a lot, I just didn't. I just did an hour and a half long conversation about it. I mean, it's. One of the scariest films ever made. It's David Lynch's 1997 horror domestic drama. Mm-hmm. Um, noir, I guess. Very upsetting movie. Brilliantly made. Just recently reissued by the Criterion Collection. Um, I, I think I just said it all. Did you have that soundtrack? Uh, no. But You're not a Nine Inch Nails guy. Not really. They were so good. Trent, Trent in the 90s. I mean, Trent now is great too, but Trent in the 90s. <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever, ever have a nin period? No, Zach did though. So I've heard a lot about that. Neither of you mentioned Chasing Amy at any point. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I love it kind of uncomplicatedly, even though it is complicated to love of it course. now. Yeah. Um, is that an Affleck performance you would go back to? I definitely, after seeing Goodwill Hunting, sought out Chasing Amy yeah. because he was in it. But I think you know that I don't really relate to the Kevin Smith films on the level that you guys do. I think it is the most, it is attempting to be the most sophisticated of all of his movies. Yeah. It is a, the most grounded, the least this ridiculous. This in Jersey Girl, right? This in Jersey, yeah. But Jersey Girl sort of feels like a conventional movie. Yeah. Um, and that, this felt something, it was still very independent um, and felt very fresh in a way. And, I, you know, Kevin was on Bill, Bill Simmons' podcast talking about this movie in particular and sort of like it's afterlife. It's complicated afterlife. Um, 
and the Affleck performance and like kind of handpicking Affleck to become a star. I mean, Kevin Smith gets a lot of credit, I yeah. think, yes, for doing something that Goodwill Hunting contributed to, but Ben wasn't at the center of that story. E- even when they won the screenplay Oscar, still like it was the Matt, Matt Damon, Damon story. story. Matt, for sure. You know, Ben was writing Shotgun for sure. Not, and he may not have been writing Shotgun in the writing, who knows, but um, I don't know. Chasing Amy, I just, I watched it a lot. I think I've said this before, like the sound of the score of that film on the DVD menu. Oh yeah. Was it's playing like a, thing a that's, lot in college. Yeah. You know, like you'd wake up and you'd hear that like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I remember that so vividly because I heard it over and over and over again at night. So and I love that movie. Open your eyes and you would say, Ben Affleck, Jason Lee, <laughs> and Joey Lauren Adams. Sorry, chasing Amy. What's your, what's your number one Smith movie? You know what? It's actually, it's Mallrats. Yeah. Mall rats. I'm being honest. It's just I feel comfortable in malls. Sorry. And uh <laughs> it really spoke to spoke to my personal experience. In fact, if you were like, could you go back to any time? I might go back to the night that I saw Mall Rats. It was a good time. Any other movies that you want to talk about, Amanda? Not really. So there are a lot of kids' movies, I think, in this year that I had eight, I self-appointed, aged out of it. I was like, I will not be a part of whatever's going on with Hercules. Bobby, are you a Hercules person? I love Hercules. Yeah. yeah. So I would like to address Chris Please. directly here. Yeah. Um, will the big would the big picture be coming in pro TikTok Hercules from the Russo brothers? I, no, absolutely not. And I really enjoyed everything that you had to say. Uh, and I do think that those guys have ruined cinema. <laughs> um, but you also like didn't seem aware that. Hercules is like a thing with Bobby's generation, with the younger people. What do you mean Hercules is a thing? It's a, it's, it's extremely a huge, popular it's movie. It's extremely There's popular. Massive, Are you serious? Yeah, that's wave a, like, of I, I'm sorry. I'm not, it's not with me, but I just want to let you know. Do you, see, do you feel yourself getting pulled into this? Do you, can you see it on the horizon? Me getting pulled into a TikTok musical? No, it, just animated films, child kid content. I, not yet. No, I mean, you're like not, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. like. No, but it's, it's not like, it, I mean, it just doesn't occur to me like, hey, should I show Knox like, I don't know, Cinderella or whatever? Like, it's just not a part of my life. So I don't think, oh, I should. I think the that. more exposure he gets to professional athletic greatness coming out of Philadelphia, yeah. the less he's going to be interested in like kid stuff, animated stuff. He's going to be like, all I want to watch is all 22 tape of the Eagles. Yeah. How's James Harden doing? He's taking a month off, you know? Personal maintenance. Maybe you should think about that. Maybe you should. You should think it. about that. You, you should, should take- think about taking a couple of drafts off. <laughs> Maybe you should. Have let, you thought about that. Let me host the stretch run of the big pick. And you go rest your tendons, and I'll just be like, "You want to be the Oscar guy? We're talking about tar." <laughs> <laughs> um, this is where I fell off of animated movies. Yeah, Hercules. Same way that you did, but I was a little older. You're being you. real quiet about the Russos. Do you support their work? Well, I'm just not interested in that movie that they're doing. And I, I really didn't like The Gray Man and I thought Cherry was disappointing. So you put it all together and all of a sudden these guys who I thought, I think I thought Andy put it very well when you guys discussed yeah, it. Yeah, coming out of the event. It was like so coming out of Endgame, I was like, damn, that's pretty hard to do what they did. They really landed the plane yeah. on that one. And then everything since, it's just like, what? Yes. <laughs> this isn't good at all. So it's kind of hard to fathom. I think obviously that is ultimately a testament to Kevin Feige who really knew where to put that story. Um, it would be impossible to overstate how inessential a Hercules live-action remake feels. To, to someone who loves Hercules, I, and I can just boot up Disney Plus right now and watch I mean, it the, after this pod. Those live-action musicals, as we have been chronicling over the last five years, have gotten 
worse and worse and worse as time has gone by. I mean, each one is worse than the last. Most recently, Pinocchio. Oh, uh, that's the the Zemeckis movie, but not the the DT, GDT one. Is I, coming. I did see the GDT one. I gotta find somebody to talk to about that on this podcast. Is that I, animated? Good luck to you. Maybe Charles will speak with me about it. It's it's stop motion animation. But that's not. Is Downey in one of these? No. Okay. Um, he was gonna. He make was gonna Pinocchio do it with Paul he, Thomas Anderson, right? Which that would have been really something. Would have been very complicated. But the, the, as you might imagine, the Guillermo del Toro movie also was like Pinocchio is a fucked up story. Yeah, it's very dark and weird and sad. Not that you guys would be willing to. So is the it. boxer. I, I really stopped listening. But did you see Anastasia? It's one of Eileen's favorite animated films. Of I all did time. see Anastasia in 1997 and thought it was good. Do you know about Anastasia? I have. I don't. Is it? A, do you know about like the myth of Anastasia? I can't say that I do. Lost Romanov sister. Oh, I knew it was Russian. Yeah, yeah, because they, I, I mean, it's pretty grim. She went into exile, right? Well, they're, they're just like some missing bones, basically. Oh. Yeah, and so there's this been this long history of is there like a, a Romanov sister among us? And then Anastasia was the animated version of that. The, Happy ending. The director of that movie is a man named Don Bluth, I, yeah. who, who is like, one of the only people of that generation who left Disney in the late 70s and was like, I'm going to strike out on my own and make animated movies. And he's one of the only people who had success. He made Anastasia, The Land Before Time, The Secret of Nim, and All Dogs Go to Heaven, and An American Tale, all of which were successful movies. Um, but there's that, it was such a, they had such a stranglehold on that style of storytelling. It's one of the few that broke through. Um, we didn't talk about The Rainmaker. Oh, Yeah. I just, we didn't mention it. You just, are you just super horny for Matt Damon on this yeah. episode? It, I, sorry, again, <laughs> I turned 13 in 1997. Did you read John Grisham books back then? I did read John Grisham books. I don't know if I ever read The Rainmaker. I was allowed to read The Firm at the age of like nine or 10. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I have some questions about the parents in my life, <laughs> but also loved it. Chris, do you know who directed The Rainmaker? Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, that's that's why I was like, we didn't even mention The Rainmaker. And obviously this is just sort of like a sidebar to Matt Damon's wonderful 1997 and and, and Good Will Hunting and all of that. This is also like, there's a bunch of sliding doors. Like Edward Norton met with Coppola to do The Rainmaker and Coppola was like, it seems like you're more interested in making American History X. You should go do that. That's true. That's true. So who knows if we would have gotten Ed Ed Norton's dunk in American History X if if he had gotten this role. Can I do one last impression? Some more voice work? This is my impression of Amanda's dad while uh, escorting her to the Rainmaker. Okay. Look, but don't touch. <laughs> touch, but don't taste. Um, okay. You feel good about your draft? I do. Yeah, we got to recap. So the, the way to recap now is I to go remember. by person. So, Amanda, why don't you tell us the six films that you got in this draft? In drama, I have Goodwill Hunting. In comedy, I have Men in Black. In Oscar nominee, I have a film named Titanic. In action horror thriller, I have Air Force One. In blockbuster, I have My Best Friend's Wedding. And in wildcard, I have Love Jones. Chris Ryan. Uh, in drama, I have LA Confidential. In comedy, I have Gross Point Blank. In Oscar nominee, I have Jackie Jackie Brown. <laughs> when did we start doing these voices? Keep going. In action, I have Starship Troopers. In blockbuster, I have Con Air. And in wildcard, I took the boxer. In drama, I have The Game. In comedy, I have Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. In Oscar nominee, I have Boogie Nights. And in action horror thriller, I have Event Horizon. In blockbuster, I have Face Off. And wildcard, I got The Devil's Advocate. 
Good draft. Mm-hmm. Certainly feels like Amanda trucked us. Yes, I smashed this. Oh my God, yeah. Um, which is great. This is good. Yeah. You, we, we, you need to, you need to yeah, bump I your numbers up a little bit, I you know? Really These are rookie numbers you have right now. don't need your condescension. <laughs> and I am winning in the game of life, you know? And that's the one that matters. Okay. Um, Amanda, Chris, thank you. Thank you to Bobby Wagner. What's next for us on the, uh, in the, on the draft horizon? How will you continue to iterate this popular property? <laughs> are we doing too much or not enough of the draft? Is something I've been thinking about. I, we do it once what, a month, right? Yeah. What are people love the draft episodes, right? We've done a couple of we we've introduced auctions over sure. the last couple yeah. of years. We do those twice a year. Aren't we almost due for another auction? Or it's do we do soon. that in January? Our auction comes in January, probably the second week of January. Okay. We've introduced upside down drafts, which I thought went terribly, and then people said they liked it, so that's notable. Um, we did genre. We did the horror. We've done some genre stuff, yeah. which I think was successful. Uh, but people were mad about all the '80s comedies that we didn't draft. I think there's been an increased call to expand the draftees, mm-hmm. which is something we'll think about. There's a couple of people I'd like to get involved. Sam Esmail wants in. Seems like he's got a lot of thoughts on podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who gave him a platform to do that. <laughs> uh, the, the next draft that we're going to do is, um, is the three of us. Okay. And it might be the last time it's just the three of us for a little while, but oh. it three years will have passed since 2019, which is one of the best oh, movie shit. years we've had in a while. So I'd like to wait three years before we hit a recent year. Okay. Wow. So 2019 will be our December draft. Are okay. we going to do it in person? I'd certainly like to. Yeah, we got we to gotta start planning ahead on that one. It's our holiday treat, though. It will run right, right around right, Christmas. Right, 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 right. But we'll, we can do it beforehand before everybody sets off on their Remember journeys. Remember when we did the holiday draft and then we had just like... It was like a non-movie wild card thing yeah, you could have. That, that was, was cool. Fun. Um, I mean, I'm also. Would you like to pitch ideas? I, you guys, is there some a kind of draft you want to do? No, we were just curious. You know, we like to look into your mind. You're more open these days. You're willing to, you know, share the process. And you know, forget about the vagaries of. Oh, thanks to Amanda and thanks to Chris. See you next week on the show. Like Chris, you mean the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> You're someone who I think really changed my life. Amanda, yes. you've helped me come to a new stage of my professional and personal <sighs> life. Like I, I feel like I have evolved tremendously because of the amount of time I've spent with you. And I want to say thank you. Bobby, yeah, who started out as just a young pup at The Ringer and now is really my partner. He helps us make this show. Without him, there is no show. And so I want to extend my gratitude to him as well. And with that, see you at the movies. <laughs> I'll see you at the movies. 